Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. everyone welcome back to leftover i'm arjun i'm nikita we are back after a one week hiatus apologies for the unannounced break but we are back nonetheless staying on top of the on top of the news cycle on top of current affairs and on top of how embarrassing daisies are back to a tried and tested format which has proven popular in the past i believe returning do you believe or, or I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it it's about the vibes you know like numbers are numbers right I mean um mm. it's it's the vibes that matter and and who better to bring the vibes than uh superstar producer Sarah uh-huh, how are you doing uh-huh. Sarah I'm here. I'm here. I um I want to thank you for um absolving me after I attempted to coup the podcast. Um I appreciate your forgiveness. Well, that's and that's I will still work that's hard still, that's still to still earn your respect. <laughs> we're still we're still in the tribunal <laughs> process. <laughs> Remains okay. to be seen. So anything I say can or will be used against me. <laughs> Damn. Indeed. Um yeah, uh, with a, with a new podcast as well, right? Oh yeah, um, uh, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I have a completely uh, uh, non political podcast. Uh, don't let that put you off though, because it's a lot of fun. It's called Sister Sledgehammer. I host it with my nine year old sister Roxanne. It is a podcast about being the best. Uh, sorry. It is a podcast about having the best podcast in the world without doing any of the work to earn that title. <laughs> so every, every episode we just brag and brag and brag and it's beautiful. It is it is a, a, an unabashed display of egos. And uh, since we're both Afghan, I, I reckon that you have to listen to it because you owe us some sort of reparations for the Afghan Otherwise war. Otherwise it's erasure. And if you don't... <laughs> You know, yeah, and if you don't listen to it, I guess then I'll just call, you know, my uncle to fix up an IED or something, you know. I know. I I was threatening to blow you up if you don't listen to I mean This is reparations, right? Mm, this is decolonizing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Decolonizing using IEDs. Um <laughs> you wanted the vibes bad bring it exactly <laughs> uh and um yeah we're, we're we're back as as mentioned discussing some of the some of the more egregious and and embarrassing south asians in the british politics and media because like we said earlier we're definitely not done with them there's there's plenty more to go um some others have come up in other contexts in previous episodes since since now. Uh, we've talked briefly about the um, uh, Quilliam Foundation. We've talked about the race report and the various embarrassing bases involved with 
both of those projects. Um, but uh, someone who has made some headlines recently um, uh, and, and who I think probably represents the probably the worst authoritarian tendencies in South Asian social conservatism. <laughs> um, Catherine Birbal Singh, someone who kind of flew under the radar a little bit last time. Um, you have the quote in front of you, don't you? You have the, the, the tweet that she did recently. Oh yeah, I do. I hate the uh, the the infamous thread. I think we've all read it, so I'll just you know, I'll just read the first tweet, I guess. Why are school rules good? Because a society. What this doesn't. <laughs> okay. The more you read it, the less sense it actually makes as well. That's the best part actually, of it. You're, you're, you're making me suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> being South Asian is suffering, so we're just sharing the suffering with our <laughs> listeners. That's it's the least. It's like yeah. <laughs> Catholics think they have oh, it God. bad, but we have to. <laughs> Catholics spend twenty four hours a day moaning about how much they suffer. We we only have dirty dialectics to complain. Exactly. <laughs> okay, why are school rules good? Because a society has laws, schools need order. So uh, you know, school is a microcosm of society. Therefore, you should be Foucault, you Foucault should be turning in his grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, bullying slash harassment, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I mean, obviously, parents want lovely. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, no, just obviously, she meant Lord of the Dance, and she got confused. <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely <clears throat> uh, parents want lovely schools but you won't get them without rules or intense selection and yes your kids need to follow the rules too and what proceeds is a five tweet thread uh let's let's pick out some choice quotes uh shall we uh, good behavior is a habit taught gradually over years by all teachers insisting on high standards uh, we, but we don't enforce silence or sitting up straight in society. So why in schools? Our prisons are packed. We remove permanently those who don't obey. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. It's. You know why? You know why there's so many people in prison? They just they, they don't sit up straight, exactly. man. They put their elbows on tables. Jordan Peterson was definitely onto something. This know, is the real school to prison pipeline. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's why we've ended up doing this. We are the we are the scum of the earth. I mean, <laughs> we hunch. What? We 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 uh we don't use a, a set of cutlery. Um, I don't know. Uh, you don't order forks with your caviar, mother of pearl forks. Oh, I thought caviar. you meant like eating Indian food, and I was like, yeah, sometimes I don't use cutlery. <laughs> <laughs> no we don't like we use our hands but you know you bring up a good point and it, and it just it stems back to the first uh edition we did of this i don't know whether you want to call it an episode <laughs> a version a travesty <laughs> but it's <laughs> it stems from an intense self-hatred it is just so obvious how much she hates being indian <laughs> yeah i mean and 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 children. <laughs> I mean, we've talked we've talked oh. especially about how uh, you know Britain seems to have a, an especially enthusiastic hatred for young people, um, and this is seen across the kind of politics that that we see, um, the type of think pieces that get published on a regular basis. Um, 
you know, about how millennials are the worst generation and destroy everything. In this kind of curtain-twitching tendency that you oftentimes see in, like, British suburbs as well, and, like, this real sort of hatred towards kids, a lot of which came out during COVID as well, for example, you know, like, the the, the Mm. idea of, like, you know, kids playing on the street, for example, because, like, what the fuck else are they supposed to do, you know, like... Um, and, and also the way of talking about them as like vectors as if they're not exactly. like their own little, little people themselves so. exactly <laughs> and then placing them in isolation if they can't afford their shitty life yeah, yeah. You know? that's, that's, that's Catherine's schools right um, mm. yeah I mean, but like punishing the children for a perceived like weakness in the parents or you know I, I don't think not being able to support to afford school lunches makes you a bad person but Obviously, Michaela School and Catherine Burble sing do, and then they're punishing the children. <laughs> well, I mean, um... it's Lord of the Rings. It's, it's Lord it, of it, the it's Rings. It's a dog eat dog world. It's an orky orc. A golemy golem world. <laughs> <laughs> but what's insane is like, I mean, anyone who's actually worked with kids and like, you know, she's uh, been an educator or a teacher or whatever for many decades um and anyone who's actually worked with kids especially in like uh a poor part of london let's say um you'll know that like one of the like one of the most common forms of neglect that you see is lack of food like kids just don't get to eat Mm. properly even in even in um a country as rich as the uk and and also when it comes to actually like the question of like discipline and you know, rules and things like that. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I get why they exist, but at the same time, like, if you, in any realistic sense, try to, like, enforce it on kids, it, it, it doesn't work. And my upbringing, like, you know, like, kind of between, and I guess for you guys, it, it's possibly something similar as well, you know, like, with with parents who had this, who had a particular sort of uh, upbringing of, of a particular type of discipline and um, and then also kind of like trying to, you know, live in, in, in Western society and, and the kind of expectations that are there of parents and of kids and, and things like that. And there's oftentimes like a lot of um, dissonance there, you know, I think. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of to be expected, I think, you know, when there's two quite different standards even. Uh, of of you know what's actually yeah. expected um in in terms of like bringing up kids yeah and then there's that further othering that i think pushes first generation immigrant parents to kind of enforce even stricter <laughs> stricter dis- uh, uh, discipline and i don't know it's it's driven by like a lot of fear i feel you know fear that my kid will not um thrive and survive and but it's just like why would you want i don't know why would you want a child to grow up to be this this is not my notion of success yeah. i mean there's um, also that thing when like but then again i don't have any standards so. <laughs> i mean there's, also, there's this line where you like you move uh you move your life or you come somewhere to have a better life for your kids and then yes, if the kid yes. isn't thriving in the way you want the them to point. it's like well, what the fuck do i do this for yeah yeah and then you take it out on the on on the child. Uh, oh God, this is turning into a therapy session. Oh no! Oh no! Um, Shut it down. But, uh, but I mean, in in the case of Catherine Brubel Singh, though, I mean, she is a genuine fucking psychopath. I mean, uh, her 
I mean, what, what, what's some of the what's some of the worst stuff that you got on her, Zara? Right. So this is a, a Guardian article from 2016, and I can't imagine her philosophy has changed that much, right? You know, when someone, uh, well, when when no one questions you on on your mode d'être, like you're going to continue doing the same shit. I mean, she got a bloody contrarian prize that she wears with honor, even though that, like, I'd never heard of that prize before. Um, Wait, is it called the contrarian prize? It is called the contrarian prize. And I do have a list of, of, It's like getting a Razzie. What? Like, but that's like, that's like, Spiked online's fucking wet dream, right? I mean, or is it just something that they made? <laughs> because that... <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay. I'll, I will, I will read out some select uh, contrarian prize nominees. Um, Giles Fraser, Niall Farage, <laughs> <laughs> Niall Farage, Niall Farage, Giles Fraser, and Niall, Niall Fraser. No, that's not... Benjamin Benjamin Zappanaya. Oh, um... What? <laughs> One of these things what is like, like the other. It's like it's anyone who is a contrarian, yeah. right? So it, it's like it's like it's that centrist thing. Oh, we're gonna go both, you know. <laughs> Both ways. Um, so, uh, Simon Danksburg, <laughs> Simon, uh, Simon Craig Dan- Murray. <laughs> he won it in 2015, and the prize was presented by David oh Dumbledore's kid. Oh, this is oh so masturbatory. God. Oh no, no, David, David Dumbledore's brother, brother, sorry, brother. The other Dumbledore. <laughs> I don't know. They're all related to me. <laughs> Ed Hussein, oh, George These are all alumni of like, these are all people from the leftover expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> like a macroeconomist won it in 2017. And my former, my former MP was nominated, uh, Gisela Stewart. And uh, I can tell you why. It's because she's German and was pro-Brexit. I can t- I, I guarantee you that's why she was nominated in 2017. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the dialectical position. Am I right? <laughs> uh, 2019, when uh, Miss Miss Birbal Singh won, it was presented by Jeremy Paxman, and she was nominated along with uh, Theresa May. <laughs> uh, someone, uh, Douglas Murray, who founded this year, oh uh, 2019. God. Sorry, what 2019. Was Theresa May doing in 2019? So, Exactly. Attending the Contrarian Prize. <laughs> and she won it along with Douglas Murray, did you say? No, no, she wasn't. Uh, she she beat won him. it, but May was nominated. Murray was uh, nominated. Right. Um, uh, the edit- former editor of Prospect Madis- Magazine, David Goodhart, was nominated. David Go- oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Helen Pluckray is like just a real who's who of shit. <laughs> No, for no, I keep saying Niles. <laughs> Nigel Farage was nominated in 2017 as well. Yeah, but I mean, like this is it's it's so telling though because like so much of this like of these right wing grifters like that's that's their whole thing you know it's just professional contrarianism mm. right like and it, it's it's so fitting with like the shit that we've talked about earlier with like living Marxism and like spiked online and that legacy of like culture warriors and and just like contrarian takes for the sake of fucking having con- bad contrarian takes um and like that's almost like become a de facto like mode of politics um mm. and uh well you're literally awarded yeah for it, yeah and I, mean, like, so- and I mean like this this um the race report you know is 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 a direct 
product of, of that line of thinking, you know? And you can see how Catherine Bribalting's uh, type of ideology and, and some of the other people that we're going to talk about as well, like it all falls within very much within that same spectrum. Yes. So back to the back to the article before I forget. It is just it's like it's this insidiousness that clearly pervades every single aspect of the way that she runs uh, this Michaela Strachan school. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. Now. Um, uh, did we not watch that wildlife program? I guess not. What wildlife program is this? Really wild. I know the name. That's why I find it funny. But I tried it. Was just real, really wild show. I think that was it. Yeah, Michaela, Michaela Stracker. She was the um, the presenter. Oh, here that. she is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, here's a quote. Um, At the school, a group of pupils prepare to end their break and move to their next lesson. They line up quietly under the eye of their teacher, who stops to ask one of them to pick up a grape from the floor. Did you see that? Bill Singh tells a group of visiting teachers. In other schools, that would never happen. You'd never see a teacher ask a pupil to pick up a grape because they'd go mad. What? 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 <laughs> like, it's just making I read it in my up. head, but reading it out loud. <laughs> That's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, my, <laughs> thinking back to my like pretty average state school, like a teacher would just say, "Sarah, pick up the <laughs> grape, please." That's it. Yeah, End of discussion. Like, why? Why did you throw that grape? <laughs> <laughs> Does it represent something else? Your desire to be incarcerated? Oh, uh, just <laughs> you are the grape rolling along the floor. Oh, something like a, a fan- uh, with no destination. A fantastic quote from her deputy head from his blog. <clears throat> the kids go to the fourth floor at one thirty to get changed. They change in silence. They then read in silence until everyone in the changing room is ready. I say silence, and some of you are imagining oppression, coercion, child cruelty. It's really not. Some of the time we'll actually not be silent. We could be chanting Kipling, or a bit of Shakespeare, or Invictus, or Ozymandias. Often teachers are firing questions at the kids. These could be science, French, maths. It really depends on who's in changing room duty. Ozymandias! My God. Oh my God. And she like she makes the kids walk in single like like on a like on an um um an escalator on the on, on the tube or something so you have to stay like on the right if you're going up and on the left if you're going down in the hallway like but these hallways like I don't know if I can send you the picture these hallways look tiny I don't know. Maybe they like, can only walk in single there's file. There's no way to navigate them. <laughs> I've just said that. I've just said it in the chat. Like <laughs> they're like marching up and down. These poor children, and like one of them smiling, oh but God. I'm sure she's just smiling to conceal her pain. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean they tried um, to introduce like similar sort of one way systems at, at the school where I was working. Um, yeah. yeah, and like, but that that was because of COVID. But still, I mean, like. I mean, it's 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 yeah no this it's is impossible not. to like actually maintain that unless like there's you're basically operating constant monitoring yeah, unless you're basically like operating under this like 
insane atmosphere of fear. <laughs> like, mm. you know, where like kids are just like terrified to do anything, you know, which I'm sure is a very healthy, conducive uh, environment to learn in. You know, and uh... it's like <laughs> it's like a mutation of the desi mindset. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's gone too far now. It's grown like fifteen arms and legs. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's mad. It's like some David Cronenberg shit. <laughs> Um, so detentions are awarded for arriving one minute late to school, for not completing homework, for scruffy work, which is an arbitrary measure. Mm. I mean, come on. Uh, for not having a pen or a ruler. You should be supplying that lady. Uh, for reacting badly to a teacher's instruction by tutting or rolling eyes. Um, when was the last time that you tutted in response to something that you didn't that you didn't want to do? I mean, that's, that's a very old man thing, isn't it, or an old woman thing? <laughs> but like, like, it's not even like you know you're reacting to to something. Um, because I associate tutting with with something that's like a shame, you know, or like that's a shame. But no, apparently, according to this, kids tut. But I guess because they're not allowed to flipping speak, are they? <laughs> it's the only yes, tut that they, they have. <laughs> uh, persistently turning around in class. Detention for not having a pen sounds harsh until you learn that Michaela provides pens to all pupils at the start of the year. And then there's a school shop selling one. So, you know, making money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about making money at the end of the day. She's in the pockets of um, Big Pen. <laughs> <laughs> big Ticonderoga and Stadler. Big, big, big stationery. Um, big Bic. <laughs> <laughs> big Bic. <laughs> big Bic energy. <laughs> Don't know. I'm sorry. Um, the children love it here, she convinces herself. That was my editorializing, not the articles. The children love it here because they know that in comparison to their primary schools or schools where, where they were before, that they learn so much here. It's quiet and they're not being bullied. Um, yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't agree with the, with the, uh, the statement that they're not being bullied. Yeah. It sounds very Lord of the Rings to me. Yeah. <laughs> they can go <laughs> Sounds more like Lord, well, Lord of the Wait till you hear this <laughs> <laughs> Well they They can go to the toilet here And not be worried about being bullied <laughs> What? <laughs> At other schools, you find children who train themselves not to go to the toilet all day because they're so scared of the bully that takes place. I think that's just because they don't want to shit in school time. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, there's no... The president bully of the box. <laughs> Nikita, you're standing there. Your, your fist, like, punching your, your, your open hand. Like, come on. It's time for a beating now, boy. I mean, to be fair, when I was at school, bullying did happen in the bathrooms, but it also happened everywhere else. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, like, it was just one of Maybe specifically places. me, but, like... <laughs> bullies, well, they're not, like, constrained to one place. They're not, like, an apparition that only can occur, like, around the drain yeah, or something. Not the way this school is run. <laughs> It's probably she set up HQ in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> in the 
guys' toilets, like, yelling about their penises when they're trying to use the urinal. Yeah, I mean, Gosh, I think kids are I more mean, likely to get bullied if they actually, like, shit themselves in the classroom, to be quite <laughs> <laughs> We shouldn't be laughing, and yet here we are. This is a, a pro-child cruelty podcast. <laughs> There's this whole uh, profile, um, because I guess uh, journalists are addicted to contrarianism too. Um, in, in Time magazine... Uh, um, and, the, and it opens with it's lunchtime at Britain's most notorious school but I don't get to eat much my plate of fries and a vegetable patty is only half eaten when an 11 year old swiftly removes it <laughs> why is an 11 year old cleaning up plates <laughs> school the true school to prison pipeline why, why is an 11 year old taking silent... your food <laughs> like, why are you allowing them to take your food <laughs> they're 11 they, they don't <laughs> you don't have to let them do that I will that. link all of these because like you, you yeah everyone I don't know I don't know if you want to read this stuff it's just torture but maybe you do because you're just you two are self-hating yeah um in silence, the children sitting on either side of me pass their plates to the end. It's been less than 10 minutes since the school first sat down to eat. On surrounding tables, other adult visitors scramble to finish their meals in the face of outstretched hands trying to take their plates. <laughs> teachers time the students' progress. Oh At the school... At this school, family lunches aim to develop soft skills. Children are expected to make conversation, pour drinks and clear their guest plates, whether they've finished or not. Why? Please explain to me. I don't understand. Is that, I don't think that's a like school life skill skills, I've taken like... into adulthood. Taking other people's yeah, like invite people over to your house and then just like remove their plates anyway, regardless of whether they. Yeah, these, or these not. children will have a like have killer dinner parties when they're older. <laughs> yeah, no one gets to, to try any of the food because it tastes that. They're all gonna win come dine with me for their like hosting. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But you like she the way like this 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 uh, the the um the writer describes it, my plate of fries in a vegetable party like. <laughs> it's not. That's not okay. That's not. That's not a nutritious meal. Oh, I bet they have weird mm, rules about yum, carbs yum. in that school. I bet they do. Oh, they're all on a keto yeah. diet. South Beach. <laughs> and you think like this school is in um is in um Wembley Park, oh, right? So. People don't have much money there, and this is what you're offering as a solution. <laughs> With making them clear up plates as if that's oh god I don't yeah I don't know I don't know what to say I I've uh, later on in the article she she proudly pr proclaims children can be children here and have real childhood <laughs> have a real childhood huh? oh. like walking in a single file down the corridors <laughs> yes. Birbal Singh says with satisfaction that she has had ex-servicemen visit and tell her Michaela reminds them of the oh British my God. Army. Where How they spent their childhood. Dude, um, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? This is what I mean. Like, I just needed to pull up articles because she's that insane. <laughs> like, indeed, just like the military, the school has established its own vernacular. Slant! A teacher will shout, and students are expected to sit bolt upright, arms crossed, face turned to the front. Children are children are also expected to track, and this is in quotation marks, 
the teacher with their eyes. What? So, like, how is a teacher monitoring this? <laughs> like, the reverse God. of those um, anti-perving glasses. Or what's his name? <laughs> got his name. You know what? He's is, quite this lit- is our mutual aid. He's quite litigious, I think, so I should probably not say his name anyway. Uh, what's this? The, I don't care. Vice- Let's buy a bunch and drop them off outside the school. It sounds like they're the kids. The guy who wrote this? that article for Vice about the glasses that make him stop being a pervert. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we guy. <laughs> oh, like that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The opposite of that. Uh huh. So, such is the the range of commands to learn. New pupils joining the school at eleven years old are expected to attend a seven day boot camp before the term starts. That's where we learn how strictness is good for you. One pupil tells me how we're different from other schools. Everything is in control, another child adds, with a smile. Just horrific. Yeah. Do you remember, like, after the London riot, or the, well, not just in London, but the the riots in 2011, the first line to come out from, like, all politicians and, like, a lot of commentators as well was about bad parenting. Yeah. And Mm. was about, yeah, like, how these kids hadn't been raised right. You know, which I mean, immediately sort of it's just just an incredibly fucking egregious thing for someone like David Cameron to be saying, you know, just about kids who are living in some of the poorest parts of uh, of the country. But yeah, I think it's just like really telling because, um, you know, like these are the people that are in power now and they have been, you know, for the last decade. And, you know, that attitude is still very prevalent and if anything has become even more prevalent over this time, you know, when like intergenerational politics has become like even more pronounced. Like I said earlier, it's just mutated out of control. Okay, you're no longer allowed to hit kids, but this is what you do instead. Like psychological damage is still (laughs) a cause for concern. But guess who loves this school? I'll give you one guess. Um, His daddy called to get him into Oxford. Uh, Oh, Toby Young. Oh, Toby Young, of course. There you go, there you go. The standard response to Michaela is to pretend that the children aren't happy, says Toby Young. (laughs) (laughs) And that anything that even faintly resembles direct instruction is tantamount to child cruelty. However, my first visit was like seeing the ideal school come to life. He describes a French class he observed as indistinguishable from the level you might expect at a private school like Eton. And um, there's a there's a rather revealing paragraph, and I think this will be my last one from <laughs> from, from from this this uh, horrific article. <laughs> okay, after plates have been cleared away at lunch, uh, the children are called on to offer, and this again is in quotes, appreciations to guests, parents, and teachers. The process takes longer than the meal itself. Wow. Each selected child stands to thank someone who has been particularly helpful to them. So not their peers, not 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 their friends, but but specifically to the elders. Again, a manifestation of toxic this. They're not even cleaning the plates. There's the approach to life. What they've got to be thanked for. (laughs) I know they're doing all the flipping work, aren't they? So. Okay, uh, each selected child stands to thank someone who has been particularly helpful to to them before the whole school offers two staccato claps and a teacher rates the child on vocal projection. (laughs) So the kid stands up, gives their speech, clap, clap, staccato, and the teacher says five out of ten on your projection. (laughs) 
What? What? The teacher overseeing <laughs> the teacher overseeing lunch during my visit also asks about the day's pre-approved topic of conversation. So this is uh, this is censorship in action. <laughs> <laughs> no journalistic integrity uh, at, at Michaela. Michaela, I, I wonder what to- I wonder what Toby Young's Free Speech Institute has to say about that Free Speech Union. <laughs> Is it okay for your parents to get you into prestigious universities? <laughs> so the pre-approved topic of conversation for this day was who would the children nominate as Times Person of the Year? Several students, apparently unprompted, suggest Birbal Singh. No. No. I was literally just going to say that as a Absolutely. joke and then you said it. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I've got so many more articles and I'm already exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... I mean, she's just she's just an absolute nutcase. And like, yeah, and, and, and like I was saying, you know, like um, the sort of right-wing grifter contrarian spectrum that she falls <laughs> under. A lot of the people that you mentioned, you know, for example, like Toby Young, who's Free Speech Union, and um, someone that we mentioned earlier, Claire Fox and her Academy of Ideas. Also, this word ideas, like I wanted to mention this in the last <laughs> episode, but it's just impossible for me to read the word ideas and not read it in Dave Rubin's voice. <laughs> so just ideas. <laughs> it's just... But uh... I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't hear any difference. But I am happy for you and your idea and your expression. It's more you have to imagine him saying it. Um, uh, You're gonna put in a clip here of him saying it's, it. It's, so it's, yeah, well, I, I, I will. It took churning of ideas for thousands of years. It's it's more about the face that you make, which obviously we can't quite translate in audio form, but um, someone that, um, that, yeah, sort of came onto my radar a, a, a little while ago, uh, an incredibly bald man called uh, Rakib Hassan, um, who's uh, Bangladeshi. He was a research fellow at Henry Jackson Society, um, which is going to come up again later, but um, he has recently, more recently, founded a, a group called Don't Divide Us, Oh, which no. was um, which was founded in the wake of the BLM protests last year, and you can guess where this is going. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. From their own website, um, it says, uh, "Our founding letter, dear fellow citizens, in the wake of the horrifying and brutal killing of George Floyd, many in the UK expressed heartfelt solidarity, wide widespread protests." Um, showed a genuine commitment to opposing racism. Since then, however, activists, corporations and institutions seem to have seized the opportunity to exploit Floyd's death to promote an ideological agenda that threatens to undermine British race relations. The power of this ideology lies in the fear that it inspires in those who would otherwise speak out, whatever their ethnicity. But speak out we must. We must oppose and expose the racial division being sown in the name of anti-racism. Yeah, because you have to be like really brave in this country to say that racism doesn't exist. It's not like you have government backing or anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it's not like we literally just had a a government-sponsored report about this. The consequences of this toxic racialized agenda are counterproductive and serious. Uh, We're all being divided by tactics and narratives. Uh, Many of us know to be untrue. 
And then it's just the standard shit like, uh, you know, under soulless acronyms such as BAME and POC, all ethnic minorities are robbed of individual agency and assumed to be victims of injustice. Or free speech is being eroded by a McCarthyite culture of conformity in which questions (laughs) this new dogma means to risk one's livelihood and uh, reputation. Calls for the wholesale destruction of historical statues symbols and works of art are fueling an unhealthy war against the past and stirring up culture wars in the present of course every portrait of the queen is yeah. is uh, a work of I mean, art by law i mean yeah campaign to instate uh, a portrait of the queen in in everyone's living room right and, and, and a bunch of other standard sort of inane conservative talking points about how racism doesn't really exist um And going on to say, we are committed to supporting open-minded, fact-based investigation into the roots of our many social problems, but reject simplistic explanations that reduce all injustice to racial factors. And we oppose the notion of collective guilt uh, and support the goals of those who struggle to ensure that individuals are judged by the content of the character and not the colour of their skin. We reject the proposition that the UK is inherently racist in 2020, with racial prejudice embedded into our educational, cultural and legal institutions. We salute the struggles of earlier generations of civil rights activists and progress they made in defeating racist discriminations and attitudes. Uh, we want a genuine movement to fight for equality of treatment. Where racism exists, it should be unapologetically challenged. We, we oppose those uh, ideologues who seek to irrevocably damage our society by hijacking this, um, this important cause. We oppose the uh, opportunistic far-right groups who are already exploiting this new climate of fear and disunity. We will not be divided by reactionary racists or culture warriors who refuse to see us as individuals beyond our skin colour. Signed, among other people... Catherine Birbalsen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Andrew and Doyle, like... Dr. Raki Bassan, um Andrew Doyle. And, <laughs> Andrew, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, hold on. Famous Ed, man of colour, Andrew Hussain. Doyle. <laughs> yeah. Ed Hussain, constant... Con- oh, he's coming. He's a yeah. favourite Co- today, Co- isn't he? <laughs> we'll have to do him next Constantine episode. Constantine <laughs> Co- Constantine Kissin, okay. uh, host of who, Trigonometry who Podcast. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, host of Trigonometry right. Podcast. Um, Mercy Maroki, Helen Pluckrose, Ugh. Calvin Robinson. Like, like it's the fucking... It's the who... And Zuby, my favourite one. It's the who's who in the, in the culture and, and, war. And, and, and of course, <laughs> Zuby, musician, rapper, podcast host, author. Um, <laughs> legit one of the worst rappers like I have ever heard in my life, like hands down. I thought it Just was a joke. Dog shit. I thought his music, music was a joke. Was he the one who started ranting about abortion? I mean, the other and, day? And, and, and yeah, he's, he's always like ranting most, about abortion. Like, He's just ranting about like the most like idiotic IDW like right wing talking points um, online, and it's really funny because like he'll do these like absolute bait you know right wing tweets and then like get a lot of likes and then he'll post his music and then get like and he he has like two hundred thousand followers or something but like he'll post his music and he'll get like twenty likes. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Um, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's really, he's very uh, embarrassing, but yeah, like this whole, um, I'm sorry, but Catherine Bilbao Singh won't even allow like Stormzy anywhere near her school. She's not going to let Zuby. No, Zuby is okay though, <laughs> because Zuby is, Zuby, Zuby is not like Zuby is, he, he does 
uh, rap about how, you know, white people are actually being oppressed, probably, I don't know. There's also someone here who's the president of the Southeast Hin- <laughs> Southeast Hindu Association. Uncle, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the most embarrassing of religion to be associated with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I think we all come from like mixed religious backgrounds. And it's just like, oh God. Oh God, I'm responsible for these people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I came back and, to and it course, in my 20s. I have no excuse. Fox, director of Acad- uh, Academy of Ideas. Naturally. Right. <laughs> I wish you would know anything about division. <laughs> Unless you start shouting Hindu phobia. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's interesting to me about this Rakib Hassan guy, right? Like, um is this article that he wrote just like a few days ago, um, about the Batley and Spen by election. And mm. uh <laughs> this is a very short article, so I'm just gonna read through it. Um, go go ahead. We've already had our first the, share of terrible articles this episode. <laughs> the Batley and Spen by-election this week marked yet another, another fascinating moment in our post-Brexit politics. While Labour managed to cling on to the seat, its majority was slashed from 3,525 to a mere 323 votes. The party opportunistically exploited subcontinental communal divisions by taking aim at the Conservative Party's diplomatic ties with the Modi-led Indian government in the hope of shoring up British-Pakistani support in the constituency. While this was seen as a useful ploy in this corner of West Yorkshire, it may have negative consequences for Labour in places where there's a high presence of British-Indian Hindus, such as London and Leicester. Playing divide-and-rules politics with South Asian communities is a risky game. Yeah, because we're we're a monolith, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um... While it is normal for ruling parties to lose by elections, this was a bitter blow for the Conservatives, regardless of what party spokespeople say. Its crushing defeat at the hands of the Liberal Democrats in the Chesham and Amersham by election would have been easier to take if it had been, if it was able to gain this Brexit voting Northern English seat from Labour. While the Conservatives enjoy a comfortable lead over Labour in the national polls, both by-election results will give the governing party much food for thought. It simply cannot expect Labour-held pro-leave constituencies to fall into their lap in the post-Brexit era. And now it gets fun. What could make our post-Brexit politics all the more fascinating is the potential emergence of a left-wing anti-woke party in the shape of the Workers' Party of Britain. Oh, my God. The the party leader, political maverick and perennial provocateur George Galloway delivered... Oh, beautiful alliteration there. Perennial provocateur um, George Galloway. uh, George Galloway, also in alliteration, delivered a Noteworthy performance at the ballot box, winning an impressive 22% of the vote. Palestine and Kashmir are salient foreign policy issues for many British Muslim voters, and Galloway is very much in line with them over these geopolitical conflicts and territorial disputes. He's also robustly against anti-Muslim prejudice in British society. But it would be a mistake to think that Galloway's electoral popularity was confined to British Muslim voters by the, in this by-election. His socially traditional pitch and pushback against the influential LGBT lobby and radical transgenderism does not have the potential to win over (laughs) British Muslims. That needs to be a book. That needs to be a book. Forget transgender Marxism. I want to read radical (laughs) transgenderism. Does not only have the potential to win over British Muslims, 
but also working class white cultural conservatives. His reputation for being a left-wing Eurosceptic firebrand means that he can gain traction in old Labour Brexiteers, the kind of voters that Labour has lost and Tories uh, hope to gain with greater numbers. The conservative strategy of running a safe submarine campaign in the hope that a Labour WPB tussle would gift them victory backfired spectacularly. Complacency is very much the devil's word. All things considered, there is much food for thought. Second time he's used that phrase in a short article. Uh, There is much food for thought for the two major parties. The Tories are guilty of taking working class Northern English voters for granted, including those who have previously voted for minor parties and hold anti-establishment sentiments. As for Labour, while it just held on to Batley and Spen, its stoking of community tensions may haunt them further down the line. And the the possible emergence of a culturally conservative left-wing alternative threatens to further complicate the electoral landscape for Starmer and his party. But who said British politics was dull and unexciting? Um, Is this the guy who wrote the letter saying, don't divide us, but is also supporting George Galloway? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like... Right, okay. (laughs) I mean, and and what what makes a lot of sense to me is, like, George Galloway is... It it makes perfect sense that he is, like, the... um, he is the politician for these contrarian dickheads because, like, he is like he is the ultimate contrarian politician. Anyway, yeah. right? You know, that's he pretty much stupid been hat. his entire fucking career. Yes, an anti woke left <laughs> left candidate, which makes perfect sense. It's just you yeah. know. I just can't words, think of anything. You know, then. Like they just don't, don't mean anything <laughs> anymore. But speaking of, um, you know, trailblazing politicians, um, Nikita, I think you've got you've got a bit of a deep cut. Someone who uh, uh, you know hasn't you know been on the on, on in the in the headlines that much recently, but is certainly a figure of great prominence um, in in modern British politics. Um, what can you tell us yes. about uh, about Keith Vaz? So where to start? Um, so I think most people... What can't you tell us about <laughs> Keith Vaz? Oh, I've, I've got two thirds of it that I did not make notes about because it was just too much. Um, <laughs> so I think most people will know him for his sex scandal about five years ago, which I will get to, but there is so much more. <laughs> so like, I, I grew up in well, between his constituency and another one. And... Um, he was just like everyone knew, kind of knew he was like a creep and a weirdo and <laughs> um, just dodgy. Like that's a Radiohead. I know. I realised as I was saying it. <laughs> 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 Rocking it. Uh, Tom um, York actually wrote that song about Keith Vaz. <laughs> I think he might. Have. <laughs> he is a creep and he is a weirdo. Um. And he was kind of parachuted into a suit. To, to a seat <laughs> so what the hell is he doing there. here? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So where do I start? But yeah, like just yeah, when exactly. I think of Keith Vaz, I think of like these like calendars that my grandma used to have every year because an old, older, elderly Indian people will take anything free that's given to them, or specifically elderly Gujaratis, and he used to like put his face <laughs> on the calendar and it'll just be in their living room. <laughs> And I have them in like curry houses <laughs> and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I'll try and like do like a run through of. Um, so you the grew best up very much under the watchful eye of Keith. Yeah, he's he's always felt like a constant presence. Unfortunately, 
I mean, he was an MP for what, like at least 20 years, um, right? So, 80s. Like, he was Leicester East. I think it was from 87 to 2019. Yeah, that's an entire generation. Yeah, that's like, like from when my mum was younger as well. Um, so, yeah, he, he calls himself, to quote, a leading member, if not the leading oh, member of the Asian community in this country, which is, you know, probably what we deserve. Um, <laughs> And like his background is like he's born in Yemen. His name is actually Nigel. <laughs> he uses the name Keith. <laughs> no, you no. have to read out his whole name. I'm no sorry. Way. You have to read out his whole right, name. Keith. I don't know. I don't bother to like write it down. Um, so he has one like not stupid name that he doesn't use. His name is <laughs> Nigel Keith Anthony Standish Vaz. Why not be Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Keith. Oh my god. Yeah. Nigel Keith Anthony Standish. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Come on. That's just mean. <laughs> that point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's one of That's them goings, right? They you know they've got to like prove to themselves that they have some proximity to whiteness. <laughs> Sorry, goings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was born, born in Yemen to go in parents, um, lost his dad to suicide at 14, had a private education at Latimer, then went off to Cambridge at the same time as Andrew Marr and Alistair Campbell. And when he's elected as four um, ethnic minority um, MPs in the 87 election, I think it's 87, along with <laughs> Diane Abbott, his mum ends up on the city council as well, somehow, and his sister is the MP for Walsall. Um, mm-hmm. so I think like his, his roles in parliament was like, he, he just kind of was like making his way around select committees and like just various roles and posts. He was, um, actually I'll get to that in a bit. Um, there's, he's somehow, he's just like a bit of a, a sleazeball and a character. And, um, there's, he somehow made it into Salman Rushdie's memoir. Um, there's a paragraph. <laughs> he, he tried to ban, <laughs> ban the satanic well, he, he, he did a couple of did things. So, so from, from the memoir, he was on the phone with British Indian Member of Parliament for Leicester East, Keith Vaz. He covered the mouthpiece and whispered, do you want to talk to this fellow? Vaz said in that phone conversation that what had happened was appalling, absolutely appalling, I presume the fact was, and promises full support. A few weeks later, he was one of the main speakers at a demonstration against the Satanic Verses, attended by over 3,000 Muslims, <laughs> and decided that the event was one of the great days in the history of Islam in Great Britain. Oh my god. So Vaz is, I think, a Catholic as well. <laughs> you don't yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, so he's got that... Well, I was just talking about Catholics South, earlier, South right? So he's got Catholic. that combo... Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. After an IRA bombing in the Leicester Army Recruitment Centre, he implied the explosive actually belonged to the British Army. (laughs) 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 I feel like a lot of the time he doesn't actually know what he's talking about, um, as as I'll demonstrate in this next bit. Um, So Tiny Blair (laughs) did make him Europe Secretary for two years. And it took, like... (laughs) He did. It was in the late nineties, early two thousands, and he like never visited the Balkans once. And by like other people's accounts, if he was asked about the Balkans, he would just have no idea what was going on. Which seems 
unwise if you're the Europe minister. But he ended up being dropped from the front bench after slumping over and needing an ambulance call during a live TV interview. This was among... Slant! <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this was among him being in the middle of loads of sleaze and corruption stuff. And I found this, like, Guardian article from then, which from, like, 2001, I guess, um, where they just, like, found some, like, 22-year-old who happened to be in hospital at the same time as him and were like... What was it like? And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> he, looked un- he looked fairly unconscious. Like... <laughs> it just seems like very, like not not very guardiany. <laughs> just to have someone there, like asking people, "Did you see this like bold Indian man?" <laughs> Which one? I mean, God, <laughs> yeah. they have heart attacks all the time. <laughs> I can say that, not you. <laughs> As in, not the yeah. listener. <laughs> I don't my blood pressure's like. Um, but yeah, there is there is so much corruption stuff that I just can't go into it all. Like, his Wikipedia is... Um, there's, like, just a different heading for each one. <laughs> but my favourite, I think, was um, when he actually did the first time he got suspended from the Commons in 2002, where... Um, he pretended that a former police officer and deputy head of, of Special Branch, her name, by the way, is Eileen Eggington, which I think is really good. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're caught up in a lie or something and you're in your kitchen and you're looking around and someone's like, oh, who was it? And you're like, Eileen Eggington? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he lied and said that she rang his mum up and threatened her. And she didn't. And I can't, I like, tried to read up on this. I was trying to work out, like, why would you pretend that Mrs. Eggington rang you up and threatened you? <laughs> and there's no, like, real rhyme or reason to it. I think he was trying to, like, scare her. It was, like, some kind of gambit that, like, just backfired on him big time and he got suspended. He was, I remember this from being younger. He was part of the, like, the leading voice in the computer game Hysteria. Um, yes. Yeah, because there was... What game did he try to ban? Manhunt 2. Um, because the yeah. first Manhunt... So there was a um, very tragic, horrible murder of a 14-year-old in Leicester. Yeah. And his parents were like adamant that it had something to do with the Manhunt game. But the police didn't like... They did, I mean, look, I'm not going to give the police any credit here, but like, to an, any observer, the only person... The, the murderer didn't have the game. The victim did. So that's the only link there is to it. And it was a gang thing. Like, you can't really... I mean, obviously, like, massive sympathy and you want to find reason in, you know, the the death of your child or something. But maybe it wasn't this. Um, But Faz kind of just, like, kept it. He loved, like, you love trying to ban stuff. He tried to ban Coca-Cola as well. (laughs) Well, not not, not Coca-Cola itself, but, like, you know the Christmas Coca-Cola lorries or the van? (laughs) <laughs> the oh, truck, no, it's a truck. Why? Because it's like sacrilegious. Because uh, of sugar. <laughs> oh, I was expecting something so spicy. Yeah. But he would no, open like sweet marts sugar. and stuff. Like his pal would be like, hey, I'm opening a sweet mart, will you open it for me? I'll do that. And like a Penda or fucking Coca Cola, I can I think Coca Cola's probably marginally healthier for you. <laughs> and yeah, he became um chair of the home affairs select committee by just like no reason like you then you they're not people aren't meant to be put forward for that unopposed but harriet harman was just like yeah just give it to him and <laughs> because i think the summer recess was coming up and they were, everyone else was just like 
fine, I guess. Even though this man is pretty, like, in political terms, quite scary and <laughs> very, very... Everyone knows he's fucking corrupt. Like, everyone knew. Like, in that, that same year, it leaked that he might have backed the 42-day detention without charge bill in return for an honour, which he didn't get either way. Oh, my God. And then a different bill about detention without charge. I think it was like 25 days without detention without charge. It happened after. <laughs> An email he wrote to Ian Austin was leaked where he was um, <laughs> doing, say, because the select committee thing, he was doing an independent report into uh, the bill uh, or, you know, what happened around it. But yeah, so he was emailing Gordon Brown while writing an independent report into him and like asking for his input. Which seems pretty corrupt to me, to be honest. And yeah. like, I love that they just never gave him a fucking honour. They were like, nah, <laughs> you've done all this shit for us, but nah. <laughs> yeah. And in 2013, the Home Affairs Select Committee, Committee on the NSA leaks it. He was in charge of like questioning Alice Rusbringer, Rusbridger, sorry. And he literally starts it off by saying, some of the criticisms against you and The Guardian have been very, very personal. You and I were both born outside this country, but I love this country. Do you love this country? Oh my it's so god! It's so creepy. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> this is in their weird, like, need to perpetuate this patriotism that they clearly like don't feel. Or maybe they do. Maybe <laughs> they, maybe they really honest. do. You know. Um... Or they're just like trick themselves into I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like unrequited love. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stockholm yeah. syndrome. <laughs> and like go sort of thinking back to our asylum episode in 2015. So way past the blade is as part of the Home Affairs Select Committee. He he went full Blair and uh, tried to ignite another panic about asylum seekers. This time it was that supposedly people were faking being domestic violence victims to claim asylum, wow. which seems very responsible and like good politics, you know. Mm. Um, and there's just like also a great picture that I'll probably put on the notes of in the 2015 election. He like brought in like Abhishek Bachchan and like a very famous Bollywood actor <laughs> and they put him in an open top car <laughs> and they were together waving oh. at the car. And there were like drummers around them and they were, like going through Leicester. Are you serious? I've seen this picture. It is like, it is oh <laughs> really God. fucking funny. <laughs> I want to know how much he paid. Yeah. I must know how much he paid. Oh, another for that. thing about yeah, and where that money came so from. So Keith Raz is very, very rich. Like, I'll bring up this particular <laughs> flat in a second, but he just like buys flats because like, like I remember and has all this like uh, extraordinary amount of money for someone who's been an MP. <laughs> like, I remember reading a few years ago, and, like, so the rate must have increased since then, and, like, Shah Rukh Khan, like, another really famous Bollywood act god, we could do a Bollywood <laughs> episode now, <laughs> Um, he like he commands up to like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to show up to a wedding and like do a little sing song and you know congratulate the couple. So how much is he paying? <laughs> Was it Abhishek or, or uh, Amitabh? Uh, Abhishek, yeah. right? The kid. Yeah, like how much is he charging to show up and like uh, so- <laughs> be Keith Vaz's little like cheerleader? So one of like Keith Vaz's like corruption things, like he does a lot, and I just didn't bother to make notes about it because it's not that interesting, but he will get you a passport. If you want a passport, and if he back or if you have the money, he'll get Maybe you a I passport. Maybe I need to make friends with Keith Vaz. Well, yeah, yeah, you need to <laughs> 
<laughs> that's like that's like that's the Indian I mean, way. That, I mean that. You know what I mean? Like things. that. Like aside from the fact that it's an obvious fucking racket, you know, like the yeah. the principle of it. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I really, I'm not finding too much of a moral issue with it, apart from maybe the class. No. <laughs> your Arjun, your, your Arjun Anthony standish. <laughs> well, uh, there is maybe a way you can get to I mean, to if he got him. his sister in like, if he got his sister, was it, what's her name? Um, Va- Valerie Vaz, right? Yeah. Good alliteration again. Very good. <laughs> um, in, in the, you know, in, in, in if she's an MP, I don't see why you can't you can't accelerate your your, your career. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think once the if if I get bad news from the Home Office, I know who to send an email to. I just yeah. probably need to cough up a couple of hundred thousand. Uh, can yeah. easy. Patreon money exactly. will pay for it in in in, in yeah. ten days. <laughs> so um, That's how much money we make perhaps... on Patreon? We make ten thousand pounds a day. <laughs> Um, that's not true. That's the, it. Would be great to do that though. So sign up. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> so, I mean, I've I've got a way you could potentially meet him. So the like every Indian in Leicester knows each other. <laughs> <laughs> probably actually. Do you have his mobile number uh, or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he saved his Keith Kaka on my phone. <laughs> But yeah, um, so in 2016, this is the big one, I guess. The Mirror published a story about him paying for sex with two young men, so there's your in, and offering to procure cocaine for them. Kettle was on chair of the Home Affairs Select Committee, but managed to wrangle a spot in the Justice Select Committee soon after. And there's like, the best bit of any of these articles, and I've read so many of them, was while waiting for a message back from potential matches, because he would get them to go on t- um, not Tinder, on Grinder and like find extra men. The MP got into a discussion with the escorts about the, p- the price of houses in London before the elderly escort escort interrupted, asking, "What do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like God. Okay, so they. What would you rather, Arjun? <laughs> Sell, you know, <laughs> cough up the cash or sell your body. What do you well. want? Talk to Keith Faz about house prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you can open up your own Mitai Mart, hey, I guess. You know, <laughs> if, he, um, if he promises to procure cocaine. <laughs> yeah. He seems pretty adamant about the cocaine as well. Yeah. Um, Very pushy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from like reading from what the sex workers had said. Like, you sound like a fucking... Like, if a scandal breaks and someone a politician is caught buying for sex, I'm usually not that fussed because, you know, these are people who I interact no. with all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, but, by, like, he sounds like a bit of a nightmare client. Like, he was, like... <laughs> from the texts that the, that were print screen to put on the articles, it sounds like he was, like, getting off on the idea of turning them into pimps. And he had, like, a very specific thing for, like, Eastern European men as well. And he'd be like offering them fifty quid for every guy they managed to get for him. He told them <laughs> that his name was Jim and he sold washing machines, which is like a bit less glam <laughs> than like Francois the car salesman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so if they only there was, was a picture of Keith Vaz <laughs> behind, behind the, the shower curtain. curtain. Behind, behind the shower, shower curtain. <laughs> <laughs> but they I mean they, they, they didn't ask his name but they saw him on TV before I guess between bookings and they were like 
that's our client. And then he, he, they asked him his name after because they were like, who are you? And he was like, I'm Jim. And I sell washing machines to hotels. It's a very famous washing machine salesman. <laughs> Jim. He's <laughs> on TV all the time. Oh, there was, um, who's the MP? Is it Neil Coyle who's the MP? Um, yeah, I mean, he is an MP, um, yeah. Yeah. He's, oh, because I think they're getting mixed up with the Unite guy. That's Gerard Coyne. That's, That's it. Gerard Coyne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's white guys. Same, same um, shit, though, yeah. But he had to, he did something and he was, like, being interviewed. <laughs> it, was, it was quite, it was actually pretty funny. Like, he accidentally kept calling him um, Jim Vaz. Or not, it was, he didn't accidentally. And then he started talking about, like, I think the phrase he used was like laundering his reputation, and I was like, "This is this is quite good," but I don't like you very much. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, like Keith Baz was like haggling, and like all the texts are like really annoying, and like oh, catch, they're trying to like sort out logistics, and he's trying to like sex them, but in like a really gross way. And they kept saying, you know, let me take you on holiday, but I need to know your details before I take you on holiday. Like, how the fuck is an MP going to take two guys on holiday with him? And <laughs> he smuggled them in his washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know your, I need to know your visa number <laughs> and your exact immigration status <laughs> with the whole office. <laughs> your residence, <laughs> your references. Yeah. <laughs> the number of times you've been in and out of the country over the last five years. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he'd be like offering the. He'd be telling them, "Oh, if uh, I need a chauffeur," and obviously, if you're doing survival sex work, you jump at the chance of straight work, right? And then it would just be something he would be like dangling over them by the looks of things, which is really fucking gross. Yeah. And then when it all came out, he tried to pretend that the two guys had drugged him, um, and that was oh his like line. God. And in Holy the reporting to it, he kept saying he oh. had amnesia. <laughs> Even though he was like what? videoed saying lots of terrible stuff in his texts. Maybe he had it. Was he drugged when he was sending all these texts to these guys? I don't know. What with the cocaine that he was <laughs> purchasing? Yeah, I mean, he was very <laughs> adamant that he wouldn't do the cocaine. He also doesn't drink. So uh, it makes it even more like confusing. I mean, he seems to say a lot of things. He does. He does. Um, yeah. Like, I think I'm going towards the end now, but like. Um, to me, like, uh, the most egregious thing he did was in 2018, so it was after all this, but he'd been, like, putting off the um, investigation into, what, what you know, his sex scandal. And so there's um, a stretch of land in, in India, in, in Dubon, where, like, ind- indigenous tribal fishing communities lived. And one day, the, like, BJP official decides that this stretch had become a tourist spot. And they confiscate the land of people who have lived there for generations upon generations and years and years and years. And they have a, you know, they have a fucking claim to it. It's their land. And there's a big, like, Dabonese community in Leicester. So, and, you know, like what we'd said before, you know, he's the British Indian. Like, if you have an issue, he will get upset if you go to someone else to, like, sort it out if you're British Indian or if it's an <laughs> Indian issue. So they ask him to intervene. He goes and intervenes. And he meets with the BJP official and comes back with this absolute fucking crock of shit. So he says, I believe that Mr. Patel has a vision for Daman and he wants to develop it as a tourist and education centre. I was particularly impressed by the commitments Mm. made by Prime Minister Narendra Modi in order to enhance the development of Daman. Mr. Patel promised that there would be no further demolitions until the court had made its ruling and he would talk to me about any further matters concerning the issue. 
a welcome his constructive and positive approach. Of course, the demolitions go ahead. And the people who've lived there for their entire lives and their parents for their entire lives, you know, long, long fucking time, they are living on the streets next to the rubble of their own homes. And the site is now a luxurious luxurious tent resort owned by a billionaire, which is just like... <laughs> I think if you're if you're positing yourself as like the site savior of the British Asian community and your constituents come to you with something really fucking important and really gross and he does this like you know fuck you man <laughs> like it's horrible yeah i'm guessing the, the the wheels were probably greased sufficiently for him to yes say those yeah. things um like the the one oppressed group of gujarat <laughs> 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 I mean, he really does Shut come up. across as like almost cartoonishly corrupt, just like, yeah. <laughs> like, like really like a character from like a TV show or something like that. Like, like, you know, a, a proper like local politician who's like basically mafioso. <laughs> like, yeah, but fucking Keith has. Yeah, basically every yeah. F- like 30s, 40s yeah. and 50s movie about yeah. like a corrupt yeah, politician. Just like, just, like, <laughs> just, just, right, just all... fingers in every single pie. <laughs> yeah, every bolty pie. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the home stretch now. So um, um, after the investigation, he's suspended for six months. He stands down because he won't be able to run uncontested in his seat. Um, in the 2019 election. But because he's a fucking cockroach, he's the chairman of his local CLP now. The last time I he- last time I heard anything from him was during the Black Lives Matter protest last year. Mm. There's a, a statue of Gandhi like on Melton Road in Leicester. Very, well, I mean, I was going to say it's a very Asian bit of Leicester, but it's, it's all very Asian. Um, <laughs> and there was a petition asking for the statue to be removed because of, you know, Gandhi being... A vicious and unabashed racist. And, and he goes to protect the statue, it's him. And this like <laughs> other group of like Indian geriatrics. And they're all socially distanced and they're holding what I think is probably like a white ribbon, which is probably symbolic. But it looks like it just they have a loo roll that they're sharing. That's the episode picture. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It's like the other woman you can see in the picture is like an Indian woman in like a sari and nikes. Oh no. Alright, so that is the uh, the twisted tale of um Nigel Keith Anthony Standish Faz. <laughs> this Standish is the best part. <laughs> is that a given name or is that one of his surnames? I, I don't know. I think, it's a, I think it's a middle name. Yeah, so it must be a given name in that case. Like someone actually gave him that name. Is Anthony Standish someone famous <laughs> that we just don't, we haven't heard of? He just, like, like, took those names. Uh, <laughs> Googled Anthony Stanley and he's an actor who was in Heartbeats <laughs> in 1992. He's in a film called Girlfuck. <laughs> <laughs> and he was apparently an Aquaman, but I haven't seen it. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Is he Aquaman? Um... <laughs> he's definitely younger than old Keithy boy, though. But yeah. We're none the wiser. Just before, I think, you know, before we start wrapping up, um, there is one person that I did want to mention briefly, uh, who I think also there's there's a bit of a segue from talking about people who clearly, you know, when you were talking about, uh, you know, when um, Keith Vaz was was uh, interrogating 
Alan Rusbridger or whatever in, in front of that committee. And he asked him if you love your country. And, um, you know, like a lot of these, especially like first generation um, migrants or, or second generation um, uh, feel the need to like really reassert um, like their patriotism or you know like their commitment to the nation or to the state or whatever um and and i think that there is no one possibly more cucked in existence i mean in terms of like that mindset and and what that represents than um than than Rahim Kassam. Uh Hussein Kasvani's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> no, but they, Hussein had this bit like a few oh, years okay. ago and they met they no. met. They took a selfie amazing. together. <laughs> That's actually amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to message him about it. Like it was it was a great bit. I'm sad it died, but it was a you know, it was good while it lasted. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rahim Kassam. Um a man who uh has it's possibly Enoch Powell's biggest fan, even more than Amor Rajan, you know, who we, who we discussed <laughs> last time. It's the thing with, like, Daisies who really seem to like Enoch Powell. And I can promise you Enoch Powell did not like Daisies. I guarantee you that. Um, just a lot, like, I mean, he, he wrote this book called Enoch Was Right, <laughs> Rivers of Blood, 50 Years On. And, I mean, I think he kind of gives away the central thesis of the book right away. Um <laughs> He, when talking about Enoch Powell, he always refers to him as Enoch. Just that. Like, oh, they're on first name terms. Enoch calls him Packy. He calls him Enoch. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think, like, do you think while he was writing the book that he'd like visit Enoch Powell's grave and like read out the messages <laughs> that he'd been working on? Uh, I mean, for his blessing, he he calls himself an Enochophile. Um, which is, yeah. That's some ephebophile that's, type shit. I'm that's, sorry. That's, like, that's horrible. Yeah, I know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he uh, supposedly, you know, he wants to set the record straight against the politically correct social justice left and their uh, desire to brand Enoch Powell, um, uh, an infamous racist, as a racist. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, he uh, he, he regurgitates the same sort of talking points about Enoch Powell. The fact that he spoke 17 languages, like, <laughs> what do you fucking do? Like, you know, one of, the, one of my favourite things about, like, right-wing shitheads is, like, their admiration for the classics. Or at least what they claim to be their admiration for the classics. But literally, they'll just, like, say a fucking phrase in Latin, like... Like, like Boris Johnson does this shit all the time, right? Like, you know, just like say a fucking phrase in Latin and people will be bare impressed. They'll be like, oh shit, like he must really know something. What's the one where it's like, uh, I'm trying to remember my GCSE history lessons when we did like ancient uh, classic medicine and it was like, when there's pus, remove it. <laughs> like, I think it's like, ubi pus, something evacuate. I'm smart now. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> the motto and, of like, Dr. Pimple Puffer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, because um, I was talking about um, in the original speech, he'd actually said a whole bit in Latin. <laughs> and now that's actually like, that's actually okay, because there's a whole other context to it, which is that, 
you know, immigrants coming to another country fit in and there'll be violence. Um, and uh, that that was the deep context just in Latin. And, you know, this is a guy that has done the tour of like pretty much every single neoconservative, like viciously Islamophobic think tank. So like everything from Henry Jackson Society, which I mentioned earlier, but also the Bow Group, the Gatestone Institute, Middle East Forum, Young Britons Foundation. Uh, and he's usually worked as a, as a research fellow in, in all of these places. Um, Henry Jackson Society is somewhere where, like, I have a very particular sort of, I don't want to say affinity to, like, that's definitely <laughs> the wrong word, but, like, I have a, um, a, a certain kind of memory of because I was once living with, with a guy who was doing an internship there. And uh, he turned out to be a massive fucking racist and assaulted me. <laughs> and um, so whenever I think of anything to do with the Henry Jackson Society, including like Douglas Murray, who was um, one of their directors for a long time, um, I always have to think of this guy um, who, who headbutted me because uh, he was a massive racist. Um, but yeah, like um, this guy, you know, by his sort of mid-20s, he'd already done the rounds at all of these different research institutes and uh and, and policy institutes and think tanks and uh he'd also apparently worked at the layman brothers i'm not sure when he fit that in but that's according to his own bio he's a, seems to be a bit of a man with a with a personal legend a bit like sajid javid uh, as well in 2014 he was brought into breitbart by steve bannon even then, his appointment, like some people at Breitbart thought that that was a bit of a risky move because <laughs> he was seen as maybe a little bit too right wing. <laughs> Even at Breitbart. Oh, I thought he was too ethnic. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> like just seen as a bit of a liability. The more melanin they can get, the better. It's a bit right? of a liability. But then he 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 um dropped out, and in in, in twenty fifteen he um he, he left. Breitbart to join Nigel Farage's general election campaign for the seat of South Thanet. And during that time, uh, instead of, you know, he, he was brought on as an advisor to give him, you know, new political nous and, um, and strategy for the digital age. And so instead of doing local campaigning, Kazam sent Farage to a conservative political conference in the US where barely what? anyone showed up. <laughs> and, and, and also um, during that time, um, journalist Camilla Long from the Sunday Times, terrible journalist, by the way. Yeah, just, oh, a classic. Genuinely just awful, <laughs> awful journalist. But yeah, she was on Have I Got News For You and made some fucking inane joke about how many, how Nigel Farage hadn't really turned up to, uh, you know, many rallies in South Thanet. And in response to that, uh, Raheem Kassam advised uh, Nigel Farage to call the police on Have I Got News For You? Which... <laughs> 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 Also, ever so slightly damaged (laughs) for spreading false information. (laughs) 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 And uh, Farage lost the seat by several thousand votes. And um, Kassam was kicked out of the campaign straight away. Farage was uh, urged by many people to um, distance himself from Kassam in the wake of the campaign. And... um, uh, after the 2016 referendum, uh, when Farage stepped down, 
um, as the UKIP leader, there was a bit of a power struggle, obviously, as we know. And I, I don't know how many UKIP leaders we've had since then, but but I don't know, maybe like thirty or something like that. It's something ridiculous. Like they, they like some of them lasted literally days. Um, but yeah, Kasam also um, made a leadership bid for uh, for for UKIP, and he during this bid he pledged to make UKIP great again. He uh, he calls him he called himself a Faragist out of all the candidates. He is the, he is a Faragist, and of the Faragists, the Faragest. Um, yeah, uh, Farage in charge. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, needless to say, I think he was still probably a bit too brown to be the UKIP leader, and uh, didn't didn't quite work out for him, and he had to. He had to drop out, and then uh, he he uh, left Breitbart as well. I mean, he rejoined Breitbart, um, you know, doing interviews with people like Tommy Robinson, and you know, appearing on panel shows with with Katie Hopkins, like doing. Uh, he wrote another book as well. Um, the year before the the you know Kyle book, he wrote another book called No Go Zones: How Sharia is Coming to a Neighborhood Near You. He's he's, he's like he's a sort of equivalent to like an Andy No type of character, right? You know, like uh, mm. just a straight up grifter who makes friends with some of the most viciously racist white supremacists who will no doubt be calling him a packy behind his back. Uh, yeah, and, 100%. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, apparently, like I remember on an interaction on the timeline on Twitter with friend of the show, Nate Bethea, uh, he he implied that if he had a son, he's gonna name him Enoch. <laughs> and uh, I really, I really am very sorry for that kid and for the upbringing that he's gonna have. Like I was just gonna say, I don't wish him to impregnate anyone. <laughs> I don't think I am not a eugenicist. Oh, God. In, this, in this instance, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I do not envy that kid, <laughs> that potential kid no. at all whatsoever. Oh, I've actually um, just found a relevant quote. In June 2016, he posted a tweet later deleted suggesting yeah. First Minister of Scotland Nicola Sturgeon yeah. should have her mouth taped shut and her legs so she can't reproduce. Oh god. So bad. Okay, yeah, so there likewise so for bad. him. But yeah, uh, so that's sort of Raheem Kassam in a, in a bit of a nutshell as well. And, 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 and once again, you know, like the same, same usual suspects just keep on turning up over and over again, it feels. Kevin Spacey, Gabriel uh, Plan. No, 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 no. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro. Uh, no. Uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, just the, these same fucking people keep on showing up. And this, this cottage industry of, like, brown people, ex-Muslims who say that Islam is the worst thing to happen to the world um, and and brown mm. people who say that racism doesn't exist. And, and, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I oftentimes think about, like, just how fucking easy it would be, you know, to, to do that grift. Like, because it genuinely is, like, all but of these people of are bankrolled by... the impact it will have on your soul. 
Well, I mean, that's that's not if he changes his name, you know, sticks a fake mustache <laughs> of Anthony Sanders. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's our that's leftovers new anti Islam reporter. Exactly. We should apply for some like Hope Brothers money or something like that, you know, like to get the real inside scoop on this woke social justice left and um, to expose them for the real racists that they are from inside. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, do we want to sort of start wrapping up, or did you guys have other people that you wanted to? Um, did you I'm, guys want to say, say anything I'm about Nandi or, or Thangam? Yeah, I have notes on Nandi, but I, I, I'm happy to leave it for for yeah. next time because you know, in regards, especially to like the prospect piece from this year, we haven't seen her act on any of those nebulous <laughs> promises. So I would like to actually give it some time to see what she I mean, does. For Nandi, so far, Nandi, like, we just need to do the episode of like the respected Marxist intellectual to shithead shitlib uh, scab kid pipeline um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of them because <laughs> honestly like I've just got a lot of stuff about how cringe her campaign her leadership campaign oh, was God. as well <laughs> like yeah so yeah I think that would be a good intro to like the next one then yeah. maybe if you want to do a short thing for Thangam um, as like a um, Patreon thing maybe we can do that Thangam yeah. yeah let's do that actually we can do something like that yeah. Cool. And yeah, do you want to plug your 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 new podcast ventures? I mean, you basically like produce half the podcasts on like the UK left podcast. <laughs> anyway. No, I mean, honestly, like most of it's just been like the US stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I did the Chechen War series for Lions Led by Donkeys. So nice. go listen to that. It's a good series. You will scream and laugh the entire time because it's mm-hmm. insane. Um, yeah, like I said, Sister Sledgehammer, listen to it, rate it, uh, give it five stars. Um, because it's the best you know, podcast UOS. in the world. Yes, it's the best podcast. It's it's objectively it's, the it's, best it's, podcast it's, it's, in the world. I mean, it's I mean, we'd love for ours to be, but I mean, we know that it's we, ours is not competition. It's, it's like, not. You will never match up not. to to mine and my sister's energy. It's not gonna no. happen. I mean, and my sister is just me, but worse. <laughs> um, I think it's you with like a higher voice. <laughs> <laughs> It probably is actually. Um, and uh, Thursdays at nine PM UK time, we're do. I'm doing uh, streams with um, Connor. You might know them as Al My Pizza oh, right. yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, uh, you can follow us at uh, twitch.tv forward slash It's Movie Time Baby, um, and we're going to put out the audio as a podcast and. Um, yeah, that uh, last week's broadcast where we watched the King of Com- Comedy with um, uh, a streamer that I bullied into joining us because we don't know how to use OBS as <laughs> track. Um, yeah, that that's fun. That's coming out, and we're we're doing um, a new leaf uh, tomorrow, which obviously is not going to be. <laughs> you won't be able to. You'll get the audio. You'll get the audio. So. Um, yeah, you can follow me. Oh, there's my sister. She's here screaming my name. She's just come in. Let me in, let me in. She's like, hold on, I'm just signing off. Or do you want to come and say hello? She wants to see what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, okay. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at uh, let me let me just get let me just get my my sister Roxanne and see what she can contribute as a non desi I mean she's <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Okay. Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne, uh, do you want to go? I'm just, too keen. Just, I'm too keen. You're too keen on what? What okay. are you doing? Okay, go. So, can you say, you can say hello. Um, uh, go, speak uh, into the microphone. Hello. You just... <laughs> Quickly, we're signing Sarah, we're Sarah signing. are you are you doing this? This is not. No, I'm not doing anything without you. This is this is boring. It's about politics. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello, Roxanne. How are you? Are you someone from Star Wars? Or... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Well, um, yeah. I think Sarah's been accosted by her by her very li- lively sisters. Yeah, um, we, we've got a pub in. So. Yeah, we've got a plugs in, but uh, yeah, as 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 always, obviously, um. At Arjanistan on Twitter. I, I'm uh, at Jeremy Horbin, and we are on Twitter as at LeftoverPod, and we are also on Patreon. And we have just we we might have some content for you coming up. Um, Patreon. We will have some. We content will. We will. Sorry, up. we will. Some thangum, some some content shaped yeah. like Thangam Debonair, <laughs> Upper Thangam style. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, patreon.com forward slash wait leftover, leftover pod. Pod. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> uh yeah, please do sign up. Um if you can. Um five a month. If you can afford more, even better. But yeah, if you are able to help, that's absolutely amazing. Um massive thanks to everyone who's already Yeah, helping. thank you so much. We promise we will give you more incentives to support as well it's coming it is coming you know just just bear with us but it is coming but uh yeah massive thanks to everyone again for listening to sarah for coming on today but not the production because i'm going to be producing this episode but but in spirit for the production as well yes uh and um to, to cardio for the music to all of you for listening and we'll catch you guys next time cheers Bye.